The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert, the story, headline, the spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crisis management. Media blitzing. It's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Hello, everyone. This is Brandy Shapiro-Babin of WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome to this edition of Cover Story. Uh, we're very excited because uh, we are going to be focusing on the Vogus White Paper. It's the Vogus State of the Media Report 2009-2010, an analysis of the changing media landscape. Uh, and this was obviously put together the, by, by the Vogus Media Research Team. And I'm excited to have two of the contributors with us. We've got David Coates, who's the managing editor uh, for the newspaper content for Vocus, who has got a very strong background um, in journalism, where he was the assistant sports editor and oversaw a staff of more than 20 writers and editors. Um, my goodness, he, was, he assigned stories, additional editorial meetings, edited, copy, and coordinated uh, the daily production of the newspaper's sports section uh, at, the, at the Washington Times. He's also, uh, my goodness, sp- all sorts of great sports, the Masters, the U.S. Opens, um, he earned a bachelor's degree in journalism from the University of Maryland, and uh, he is currently living in Columbia, uh, Maryland. Welcome, David. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Brandy. Uh, it's great to be with you all. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to have you here. And one of your other great contributors is Julie Hawley, who's a managing editor of TV online blog, IOR content for Vocus. And uh, she's got a super, you've got a super strong background in uh, being a producer for WUSA TV out of D.C., um, you also were a uh, 24-hour cable station, an ABC affiliate for News Channel 8 uh, in the D.C. market, and you've done basically everything, it seems like, um, you know, it, backing up um, a newsroom. So welcome to both Julie and David. Thank you for having us. This is exciting. So let's talk. This is the first year you guys have put out this white paper. Why did you decide to, um, to, to venture into this? David? Um, well... I guess the biggest reason is we wanted to let uh, the folks in the uh, public relations business know of the state of the media. Obviously, everyone's been reading about it and seeing what's been going on, but our research has um, up, turned up some things that we just felt was necessary to uh, send out a state of the media and, and just um, show people what we're finding and where we see the direction of the media headed these days. Okay, okay. And the white paper is actually broken down into newspapers, magazines, and then radio and television. Correct. Okay. So let, let's, let's go from the very beginning and let's take a look at, at, the, at newspapers. What, okay. Okay. What's going on in the newspaper world? Um, well, for lack of a better word, uh, it's um, deteriorating. Uh, the, the newspaper business is struggling, and um, it's not the same business we saw 20 years ago. Um, 
or uh, for that matter, uh, five or six years ago. It's mm-hmm. very, very different. Um, the the way the newspaper business is going right now is um, they're trying, still trying to find out, find a business model in which the um, online version of a newspaper fits in with the printed version. And um, that's kind of the way the newspaper business go- is going right now. A lot of newspapers are um, da- downsizing, uh, scaling back uh, how many pages they have, mm-hmm. and um, they're doing a lot of things that are cost-cutting because the advertising's not there, and it's just not um, economically feasible to continue the way they were going. Okay, okay. And for you, I mean, because this is, you know, this has been your passion, you know, in your tenure, truly, you know, when it comes to, to newspapers. Where do you see, I mean, so you're seeing, you're seeing newspapers leveraging each other's assets by content sharing? Uh, we have seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that happens. It's, it's a little disconcerting because, you know, for years you just thought the newspaper business was always um, com- competitive and really going uh, to newspapers in the same city going mm-hmm. after each other and trying to beat each other at stories. And then you see the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and Dallas Morning News sharing content. Those used to be um, when the uh, Dallas Times-Herald folded 20 years ago, or I believe, yeah, about 20 years ago. Those two used to be, like, the, the biggest rivals, and now they're sharing content. It just kind of blows me away to see things like that's how much it's changed. But in the changing economy and, and just the economic times, that's the way they have to do things to survive. Which is, I mean, it, survival is good. But I think, right, changing changing the mindset, especially when it comes to, I mean, that, that's sort of what, what dry, you know, gets your blood pumping, right, is to outscoop your competition. Uh, it, it, I, I always, you know, we always know that competition makes... Um, Breeds a marketplace. Makes people better, right. you know, and, um, and that, that is, it, it was really, it's really bothersome to see that, you know, the Baltimore Sun and the Washington Post are sharing content now. Um, on local news and uh, on this, the towns that are between D.C. and Baltimore. It's just um, you don't see the competition anymore. It's more of, you know, everybody's in the same lifeboat together trying to survive. Right, which which in a way is nice to see people coming together. But then again, seeing something that's such a heritage model change. You know, there's one thing to adapt, but changing. And then there's some, then there's some um, newspaper outlets that are, you know, trying to go behind the paywall. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, today, the New York Times sent out a um, press release saying they will, uh, in 2011, have some form of uh, pay-to-view online material. Um, that just came out today. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of major newspapers are thinking of way to bring in revenue and making um, the readers pay to see what's online is one of them. And um, it's, it's sad because it's sad because we, we've been getting it for free for so long we'd like to keep getting it for free. Right. But um, the problem actually goes back to when the uh, websites for newspapers came along. They used them, I think, more as, oh, this is what's in our paper as opposed to being more of a... Um, its own entity and actually breaking news. And um, that's the way online, um, the online versions of newspapers are going, and they have to make money somehow, and the best way to do that, they think, I hope there's a better way, is to actually put up paywalls. Right, and it's also trying to figure out, too, what kind of content people are actually going to pay for. That's true. Right? Because- and 
I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say I was going to quote from you guys. You know, it shows news. News. Um, Newsday went behind a paywall in October. In, in November, they went from you know 2.2 million people, right, and unique users yep. to 1.7 yes. million in right. one month. Yeah, and it, I mean, it just goes back to if you can get something for nothing, why, why, um, why have to pay for the same thing when, you know, it, it's it's just. It's sad that they do that and then everything just drops off because people are so used to getting it for free. So what, what are you getting that when you're paying for something, what are you actually getting for it? Is it any different than what I was getting when I wasn't paying for it? And, um, you know, a lot of people can do without. I mean, the newspaper websites are not the only way people are getting their news. They're getting it off of Google. They're getting it off of AOL. They're, they're getting it in different places. They're getting it off of, um, in the case of some places, websites of, of TV and radio stations. That's mm-hmm. where they're getting their news. So it's not all, you know, the newspaper used to be a huge, um, huge way for people to get their news. Now it's, it's just a, a really fraction of how they get their news. Which is, which is, it, it will be interesting to see how they're able to do that and how they're able to segment the information so that maybe there, there is a demand. Because it, it is hard, like you said, when you're used to something, you know, I, I agree and I disagree. Right when you're used to something for free, people want it for free. But when you're used to having something, and it, and someone's going to take it away from you, if you're really serving them what they want, they'll pay for it. That's true. The problem I see mm-hmm. is that I'm not convinced that the newspaper business is giving people what they want, and um, people are, uh, and especially the younger generations these days, are looking for streaming video and they're looking for um, something that's a little bit more pleasing to the eye and. So maybe if that was what they were offering behind a paywall and, and making it very entertainment-oriented, then I think that might work. But, um, but I, I just don't see them, um, some of the things that are behind that paywall. I don't know if people are willing to even shell out the money originally to, to continue to get it. And, that, I mean, and, that's, and obviously the newspaper business has figured that out, so they try giving it to you for free and then saying after a month, this is going to be behind a paywall. If you still want it, it's going to cost you. So at least they're smart enough to know to give it for free to make sure they want it. They don't want it, then they don't pay for it. But we, as the as Newsday showed, everything kind of dropped off after they had they went behind the paywall. Right, and maybe give people something more. You know, when you think of um, and, I, and my numbers could be off, but when you think of a printed article, you think of like you know max fifteen hundred words. So to be able to take something further than that, or give someone more of a behind the scenes story or more of an in depth story. You know, past like the, the free version, which is still giving you the information, but now you have an ability to delve in deeper, could be of interest. Um, but let's do this. Let's take a quick break and we come back. We're going to have Julie join us and we're going to continue our conversation uh, regarding Focus's new white paper. Sit tight and don't move. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. Do you consider yourself a super affiliate? Then listen up. One of the most trusted names in affiliate marketing since 2003, XY7.com, has now launched XY7Elite.com, a private invitation-only affiliate program run by super affiliates for super affiliates. Enjoy private tested offers, weekly deposits right to your bank account or XY7 debit card, XY7 VIP concierge service, limousine transportation to and from major industry events, and the status of being one 
one of the elite publishers. XY7 Elite is not for everyone, as you need to be accepted and maintain volume requirements. Think you've got what it takes to be elite? Go to www.xy7elite.com or call 702-216-4000. 702-216-4000. This is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PR Web and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR Web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to prwebauthor.com for 25% off. PR Web, the premier online release news and content distribution service. Looking for a new way to build backlinks and traffic back to your website? Then look no further than the quickest and easiest way to blast your article to over 30,000 subscribers at the click of a mouse. Introducing ArticleSender.com, the world's premier article distribution service. With ArticleSender.com, you can submit your prize-winning piece to thousands of promising publishers and article directories craving for fresh content. ArticleSender.com also provides premium services so that your article is SEO, SEO ready. Plus, we provide express editorial review for rush delivery of your submissions within 24 to 48 hours. Article distribution at its easiest. One form, one click, thousands of results. Get your free account today at articlesender.com. That's article S-E-N-D-E-R.com. The WordPress Community Podcast. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the internet marketing channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hello, everyone. This is Brandy Shapiro-Babin, and welcome back to this edition of Cover Story. Uh, we are speaking today to David Coates, who is the managing editor uh, for newspaper content at Vogus, as well as Julie Holiday. Julie Holiday. <laughs> Julie Holly, I apologize, managing editor of TV, online blog, IOR content for Vocus. And uh, we're discussing their white paper, an analysis of the changing media landscape and uh, lots of changes. Lots of changes. Julie, you have your finger in a lot of different pies. And, you know, when I, when, when I read your white paper, what I saw here was a lot of, I mean, you've got a lot of newspapers folding, you've got a lot of TV stations that are cutting down on original content. You have, uh, I mean, across the board, traditional media is morphing and changing, and people are really beginning to rely a lot on citizen journalism. Uh, what are some of your predictions in, in, in regard to, t- you know, working with the PR community? How does this change the PR role? Well, I would say in a couple of directions. Uh, in TV in general, um, even though we've seen a lot of cuts, uh, TV stations are still uh, screaming that mantra for local, 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 local news, even though they're really getting a lot of content you know, from affiliates, from their network, that kind of thing. They're always wanting to be able to tell their viewers that they have those local stories. Mm-hmm. So even though we hear all these bad things that are happening, um, inevitably they're still going to want to 
offer those local angles. So that's a place where, you know, it's actually helpful. It's actually a good thing for public relations professionals because TV stations are still looking outside of their own station for those local stories. Which is exciting. And I think a good point that, that you added into um, your white paper is a lot of, most, of these, most TV stations now are in HD. So if you're going to provide them with any kind of B-roll, make sure it's high-quality B-roll. Correct. Now, some stations have policies where they don't want a lot of outside B-roll. Some stations very much welcome it. And now that a lot of stations, or I should say most stations, have so much content online, even if the material doesn't make it on air, chances are if you send it to them, they're going to use it somehow if it's a quality story. So that is definitely important uh, because the station is going to evaluate the quality of the video when they decide whether to air it. The only exception would be breaking news where they'll you know, make a lot of exceptions for what they put on the air. Right, of course, of course. What were some, I mean, you know, and we can take this in whatever order you want, whether it be magazine, you know, television, or, or radio. Um, but let, if, you, if we can, because I know you're really in the trenches, you know, let's talk about some of the changes and then some of the best ways that PR professionals can really benefit from some of these changes. Well, uh, for TV, for example, uh, one of the things we've seen is pooled resources. Um, stations in the same market, much like what we heard with newspapers, mm-hmm. uh, TV stations in the same market are sending out pool video crews to cover things. So um, this is not unheard of. For years, uh, they've been pooling resources at the national level, say, to cover the president. Uh, not every station goes out and covers the president, but to have it at the local level, that was very new. Some stations like the idea. It's working for them. Some, because of competition, have said, you know what, this isn't working so well. But theoretically, that leaves more people back at the station to cover more stories So, because they're sharing resources. So in that way, that would give PR professionals the opportunity to pitch more. There's more people with nothing to do, if you will. Um, in reality, they're probably very busy still because staffs have been cut so much. But I think that does free up people somewhat to, to cover outside stories. Right, and if you make things easy for people, right? It's all about create the relationship, understand who you're pitching, and then make it as easy as possible for them to adopt your story. I think will make Absolutely. a big difference, right? Make And that's very important. Uh, a lot of times people feel like, well, you're covering me. You need to bend over backwards to, you know, come find me and interview my person, that kind of thing. In reality, people are in so much stress. Reporters are under so much stress. They have such a time deadline, and they have all these additional responsibilities now because of all the cuts in the stations. The easier you make it for them, the more likely they're going to cover the story. So um, if you can make yourself or your spokesperson or the story itself available as soon as they need it, as soon as they contact you, that is absolutely important and then any materials you've promised whatever you promise just have it ready for them as soon as they need it yeah don't let you know don't let an opportunity fall through the cracks absolutely it only knocks once um (laughs) sorry (laughs) okay so i mean and, and you're also seeing a lot of interesting things too i mean thank god for chapter 11 where you know companies aren't going bankrupt they have an opportunity to reorganize themselves Absolutely. I know, to be honest with you, I don't think the average viewer realizes what's going on behind the scenes. A lot of TV stations are owned by very big companies, so when they file for bankruptcy, if it is 11, Chapter 11 and it is a reorganization, the company is trying to stay afloat. So they might sell off certain assets but not others. And what we've seen is, uh, for example, with Tribune, uh, 23 stations were affected. A lot of newspapers are affected, but 
you know, by far, most stations stayed on the air. Uh, there were probably cutbacks behind the scenes. Uh, viewers might have seen a few less faces, but by far, I don't think anyone had an indication of the, the chaos going on behind the scenes. There you go. I, and, and I agree, which is which, which people don't need to, right? You need, you need to have confidence in, in your media outlets. Um, let's, let's move on to my favorite topic, which is radio. <laughs> Okay. Let, me, let me ask your opinion. I mean, what do you think of the duopoly? Well, I am uh, more versed in, uh, in television, so I can't speak to so much of radio's duopoly. Okay. So for, for, for those of you, up until I want to say maybe 10 years ago, um, I, I believe a radio station was only allowed to own in a region two, um, two stations on the FM dial. I can talk about that. Oh, you can talk about that. Okay. Well, 15 years in the radio business. Yeah, <laughs> before the Telecommunications Act of 1996, which uh, President Clinton had passed, it was allowed two AM and two FM stations per company. And then that was changed. Deregulation allowed multiple. And I believe it became four and four. And then further re- legislation made it completely open. And then to the point where companies could buy other media entities. Right. Which, in, in, in this humble person's opinion, it led to a little bit of the demise of some of the, some quality content and like what you were talking about earlier, creating that local content, mm-hmm. because you've got these massive companies now owning like hundreds of radio stations and they need, you know, some radio stations are going to do better than others in order for them to keep afloat. They're going to have to cut certain things and create content that can be shared again. And what that does is it keeps the personality potentially away from each individual radio station and doesn't make you feel like, you know, you used to tune into your morning show and your morning people were paid a lot of money to understand the psyche of that region to, to bond, you know, with its listeners. And a lot of that was taken away and it's, it's very sad to see. Right. That's one of the major things we found uh, in the radio research for the white paper is that so many nationally syndicated programs are popping up uh, at the local level. And, you know, inevitably, uh, stations do sometimes see a fall off in listeners because of that, because they realize, wait a minute, that everyone's hearing the same thing. This does not apply to me locally. Right. Which is interesting, because if you look at the statistics, I believe, for online radio, you know, the numbers I don't think have fallen off dramatically for for radio as much as you would think traditional terrestrial radio. But the reason why people like to listen to online radio is that they're hearing original content that they can't get on terrestrial radio. Right. And I guess, you know, another thing we have to realize is how many different things are competing uh, with radio now. You know, satellite radio, online radio, streaming media. And then, you know, people can download anything they want to their iPods and MP3 players and not even turn on the radio. So there's a lot of competition. Oh, absolutely. And I believe, you know, you mentioned in your report as well, you've got Ford, you've got a lot of the the car manufacturers, you know, for those of us like me who are lazy potentially, right? (laughs) You can just plug your iPod right in, right into, or you've got HD or satellite radio. So you, the car companies are making it very easy for you to adopt other media that you might not normally have and people would stay with the dial, so to speak. So One thing that is interesting, though, that, you know, I think um, going forward and, you know, probably in the long-term future, you know, we hear that radio is having all these problems, but inevitably when, say, disaster strikes, radio is the easiest way to communicate with people. So I think everyone's going to always have one around. How often they listen to it will be, I guess, the, the most important question. You know what? I, I agree. Absolutely. And I think local radio, because they, have, they do have the ability from a non-traditional revenue standpoint 
to be able to go out. I mean, same thing with, with TV and local affiliates. They have the right. ability, you know, we have, you know, there's a lot going on right now. Um, as a matter of fact, you're, you're the former owner of PR Web is in South Florida right now flying, um, you know, doctors and supplies over to Haiti. And, you know, who's really getting involved in South Florida and helping to, to you know, coordinate those efforts, but local media, which is really right. important because they can physically be on the ground here. You know, vis-a-vis, um, you know, from a nationwide perspective, it's you're getting a national feed, but something, you know, but I don't think that part's ever going to go away. What do you think? Well, I agree. I mean, there's always going to be a need. Uh, you know, even if you look at... Um, nationally syndicated radio and TV where they have local inserts, even, say, the Today Show or all of the morning programs, there's always going to be a need for that local angle. Um, so I don't think, you know, on the a big scale, we're ever going to lose uh, the local source of information. Right, because, I mean, it's we there's, I think, many forms, you know, in public relations, you have many publics, if you're a company, you know, as being a, a citizen in, in a neighborhood, you know, you're also a citizen of the world because of the Internet. Right. And, you know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting to see as um, the Internet and, 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 and news and the way that um, information is now being disseminated, how you can be, you know, a, a citizen of so many different part populations. Right. Which I think is very important. So, um, all right, let's move right on to... We got mag... Let's do a break first. We'll do a break. We're breaking. I'm so sorry, people. We're breaking. We're doing a hard break. Because we got to thank the people who support the station, like our fabulous advertisers. So we're going to be right back on Cover Story. Sit tight and don't move. Cover Story. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, have you got that number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. Well, what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, MSN, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one set, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. XYZ, affiliate market. Are you an affiliate? If yes, you'll pay me. No if, as, or maybe. Get paid daily. Make a mad dash. Sign up is a flash. Quickly convert the clicks into cash. Affiliate marketing network is first place. I cut to the chase. It's all performance based. Listen to what I'm telling you. Because this is what you better do. Join as a publisher and maximize your revenue. Think we agreed that money is what you need. Indeed, you can get paid from sales and leads. Not one thing lacking, don't get it cracking We've become a good state of the art tracking Where did it start? You can do it a couple ways 866-XY7-PAGE It's cold free, tell me what you waiting on So log on to XY7.com Charles, come on up and tell us about the great ROI we're getting from RevenueWire Thank you since I signed up with Revenue Wire, conversions have increased dramatically. Revenue Wire has an integrated shopping cart called SafeCart that offers highly accurate sales tracking, boosting our conversions through the roof. And now that they've added multiple international currencies to SafeCart, we're looking forward to seeing significant increases in our overseas sales of PC utility software from LavaSoft, PC Tools, Pareto Logic, and Avonquest. With up to 75% commission, real time sales tracking, free in depth sales analytics, and reporting tools, 
campaign optimization resources, and now weekly payments for top-performing affiliates, our sales are climbing higher and higher, thanks to RevenueWire. Find out more at RevenueWire.com. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Hello, everyone. This is Brandy Shapiro-Babin of Webmaster Radio. Thank you uh, for joining us today on Cover Story. We are actually coming into our final segment. And uh, as you know, we've been discussing the white paper by Vogus, 2010 State of the Media, an analysis of the changing media landscape. And uh, two of the contributors are with us today, David Coates, who's the managing editor for newspaper content at Vogus, as well as Julie Hawley, who is managing editor of TV online blog, IOR content at Vogus. Welcome back, the two of you. Hello. 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 Okay, so we're going to, because we're, we're, we're sort of hitting our last segment, let's touch a little bit on um, the magazine industry, because we're seeing, we're seeing some changes there as well. Yeah, the magazine industry is getting hit as hard as any industry, as much as, as bad as newspapers, really. It's more of a numbers game and a financial situation, and it's... Um, there, there. You see just as many uh, more magazines folding uh, as fast as they start start up. So it's really not a um, great situation for magazines. Um, part of the reason, I guess, is because it's more of a niche situation as far as um, a niche audience. And if that audience doesn't latch on to the magazine, then it loses any kind of um, value, followership, or mm-hmm. value and readership and. So it's it's one of those situations where it's 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 interesting because we see it happen a lot where a lot of magazines get launched and then a lot of them fold within you know three three issues and it's like wow what just happened there but um, they're just having as much trouble as uh, getting a foothold again in the you know in the industry as as newspapers or. Uh, radio, it's an ever-evolving, ever-changing situation with magazines as well. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. Some of the things that I saw in here that I thought were kind of cool when it re- in regard to magazines was using the QR codes, um, which are those funky-looking, uh, for those of you that don't know, the, 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 the funky-looking barcode things that you'll see sometimes attached to ads today, that if you use, like, your iPhone or sometimes your BlackBerry, it pops a video or it even takes someone to make a purchase, which I think is kind of cool. I don't think it's quite there yet. But I love the evolution of, of where, what they're thinking and taking away just traditional media. You know, yeah, doing... that, that is true. With magazines, they tend to um, think more outside the box than mm-hmm. uh, news, newspaper folks. And I think, I personally think from an um, online standpoint, they're actually thinking outside the box. They're packaging things better and making things a lot more um, aesthetically pleasing, uh, more focused as magazines tend to be uh, more focused on art than on just facts as newspapers tend to be. So they, they have been thinking outside the box, and so I think that's the direction that magazines will be headed as um, making everything kind of tied into the online side of things where um, for a long time newspapers uh, tended to um, resist doing that. Yeah, which is, which is great. I mean, an excellent, excellent point. So I want to toss to both of you because you both come from such strong media backgrounds and you're used to people pitching you. Right? right? Oh, yes. Okay, so I'm going to throw this out to the both of you. What works and what doesn't work? And, oh, my God, it could be the greatest thing in the world, but what gets under your skin so they're absolutely not making it to the story? Go ahead, Julie. <laughs> well, I would say uh, what does work is, you know, picking out a story that is 
that is actually for real. It's not very. It's not a bunch of fluff with not much substance. Um, stations want local, local stories, or they want something to be localized. So even if it's something that's happening on a national level, they want local and local aspect to it. And if you can give them your story and people to interview too, like suggestions, so they don't have to not only figure out what you're talking about and then go find other people to interview. Uh, sometimes if you say, hey, here's an example of where this is happening, and, and you know, it sort of goes back to what we said earlier, we're making it easy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say sometimes people will just be a little off base or not sort of realize the priorities or not, um, they're not able to connect their story idea to something that's currently going on in the media, and that's, that's absolutely a necess- necessity. Uh, story has to be, have some sort of newsworthiness. It has to have timeliness. If something happened a month ago and it's sort of no longer on the radar screens, that wouldn't be the best angle to pitch, for example. Excellent. So it has to be happening right here, right now, and sort of connected to something else going on. Excellent. Really, really good points. Uh, Dave? Uh, same same thing. I mean, Julie basically covered most of it as far as trends are very important. People and newspapers, for sure, and, and actually all media is looking for a trend. And so if you have something that um, you've, you've noticed works into the trends that the, the publication has been writing about recently, that's something that would be very positive. And um, the idea is to always catch... Um, the new, uh, I'll speak from newspaper standpoint, is to catch mm-hmm. the editor's eye. And um, it's funny because I, I, I don't tell enough people this who are in the PR business, but, you know, newspaper editors spend um, half their day pitching their stories to their editors above them to get them on the front page of the newspaper. So they know what it takes to get somebody's attention, so you have to figure out what it takes to get their attention. You have to figure that out, and you do that by reading their section every day and finding out, or, you know, going online, it have, you know, it doesn't have to be the paper itself, but going online and finding out what they have in their section every day. Um, I'll just give you an example. When I worked at the Washington Times sports section, which actually was just disbanded two weeks ago, um, yeah, they, they don't have a sports section anymore. So, um, but when I worked at the sports section, we didn't cover high school sports. I got pitched high school sports stories all the time. And people were insisting that um, we did high school sports. And right. I just said, you know, if you're reading the newspaper every day, you know you don't, there's no high school sports in there. So that's just an example of just read the newspaper to know what the tendencies are of certain sections or in certain um, newspapers of what they're going to write about. Right. Go, don't go sucking up to somebody, right, with, with the right. wrong angle. Right. right? And, that, and that, that happens way too much. Right. Oh, Brandy, I heard you're such a beautiful blonde. Right? No, I'm not. <laughs> I do not have one here. That's ridiculous. We do not do high school sports. So make sure you vet because there's two. I mean, my God, there's two reasons to vet people properly. One is you don't want to tick anyone off. You want to be respected, right? Treat others as you want to be treated. You don't want a door shut in your face because I believe you have an opportunity once to have a door open. And then the second thing is if someone doesn't cover what you, you know, if like high school sports, perfect example. If they don't cover high school sports, you're wasting your time. And our time, too. And, 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 that, yeah. and that's the biggest deal, too, is you, you always want to pitch somebody something that they're going to be interested in. But it ha- you, you ha- if it's not interesting, they're not going to get back to you on it. So um, follow-up phone calls. I, I hate to 
you know, burst people's bubbles. Mm-hmm. If the email comes in and it's got an interesting tagline, we're going to look at it. And then if, if it's not interesting, we're not going to call you back, tell you we're not interested in it. And you calling us, telling us um, how great it is, isn't going to make us any more interested in it. <laughs> What's going to happen is if we like it, we'll call you right back and say, tell me more about this. And um, uh, unfortunately, I hear too many uh, public relations professionals who spend uh, way too much time just trying to follow up on something that they've sent um, someone in the media because if the person in the media gets something that's interesting, you sent them something interesting, they will get back to you. They're always looking for something good. The problem these days, and Julie and I were just talking about this before we came on with you, was we, and, and the same thing in TV, but we're, mm-hmm. we have newspapers have less pages now. That right. means there's less room for good stories. Mm-hmm. So the story better be very good or else it's not going to get in. There's no filler stories anymore because it costs too much to put Print them the in the newspaper. Yep. Absolutely. Very, very good point. And, and, and potentially, like, and what's the best way to figure out how to pit? I mean, really just research that specific editor or writer that you're pitching so that you're pitching them in the format that they want? Well, I, I, I believe that is the best way. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not trying, trying not to be too redundant. I, I work for someone who was just loved offbeat uh, sports stories when I worked in sports, okay? I also have seen plenty of feature uh, editors who are big into offbeat features. Not the nice, um, I'll just give you an example because the Super Bowl is coming up. There's, mm-hmm. hey, how to make your Super Bowl party great, and here are the great dishes for it. That, that's almost a typical feature story almost every year during the Super Bowl. Coming up with some offbeat idea that's a different twist on that would be um, if, you, if you find out that, you know, that features editor likes offbeat stories, then try to come up with an idea that paints your pitch in the proper light that make it get that person's attention about the offbeat story. Excellent point. Excellent point. Uh, Julie, any, any last uh, points to leave us with? So uh, to help enhance the PR professional's ability to, to spread the word of their clients? Sure. I would just comment that uh, TV stations are not set up the way they appear to be. For example, often the assignment desk is actually running things rather than the producer or the reporter. So pitching the producer and the reporter isn't always the best way. Um, Pitching to the assignment desk, yes, there's a lot of clutter. There's a lot of things coming in, but often they're the ones choosing the stories, choosing a reporter to cover them, choosing whether a photographer is going to be out, uh, going out to send, uh, going to be sent out to cover the story. So occasionally you can get a producer that has a little bit of power in the newsroom to cover a story. But uh, getting a relationship with the assignment editors is definitely key in a lot of TV stations. I would say that is an that is a great point. That is a great point, and I think also respecting the fact that these guys are super super busy. Absolutely. I know when I was a producer, I was so busy putting together my show, trying to get it on the air, and sometimes I did two shows a day. So, you know, trying to even get through email was sometimes a disaster. So unlike what Dave said, occasionally, you know, uh, a follow-up call for me was actually the first time I was looking at an email. So it wasn't such a bad thing for me, but I would caution, make sure your follow-up calls are not 10 minutes before someone's newscast because that makes them very mad. (laughs) And they're not going to cover your story in that case. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, you know, what I'm hearing you guys say is, you know, if there are specific people that you're looking to pursue or, you know, is ask them, how would you like me to communicate with you? I think that's very important. We do that every day, actually. I mean, when we're talking to members of the media and doing our research here, we're, we're trying to find out as much as we can of how they like 
um, to have stories pitched to them. And we, we try to find that out, and that's part of our job every day to figure that out. Right, which is which is great. I mean, because like Julie, you know, because you're like, okay, don't bother me again, buddy. Right, but Julie's like, oh God, you could be great, but I'm running, you know, like I'm, I'm running around doing a million different things, and I need you to help me stay on top of mind if I like right. you. So I think that's very interesting. I love the fact that you guys are coming from you know very complimentary um, points of view. We are at the end of the show, um, and I think we've only just begun to scratch the surface. Really good works. Um, absolutely adore Vocus here. So I'd love to have you guys come back and do a part two with us. Great. We'd love to. That would be spectacular. So I just want to say uh, special thanks to our featured guest today, David Coase, Managing Editor, Newspaper Content, and, um, and Julie Hawley, Managing Editor, Television Content. Thank you both for joining us today on Cover Story. Thank You're you. Welcome. All right. This is Brandy Shapiro-Babin, and uh, Stuart Foster will be here to discuss blog post creatives, a necessity for PR next week on Cover Story. We'll see you then. 